The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. There was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. When the wine ran short, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servers, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish ceremonial washings, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told them, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it, and when the head waiter tasted the water that had become wine, without knowing where it came from, although the servers who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves good wine first, and then, when people have drunk freely, an inferior one. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this as the beginning of his signs at Cana in Galilee, and so revealed his glory, and his disciples began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I was so happy to hear that opening song this morning because it teed up my homily here very well. The word for today's homily that jumps out at me immediately is revealed. It was one of the last things that we read here. Jesus did this as the beginning of his signs at Cana in Galilee and so revealed his glory. That's been a word that we have heard now for three weeks in a row. At the epiphany, the word epiphany means to reveal to manifest. So Jesus at the Epiphany was revealed to the nations as the Savior of the whole world, not just for the Jewish people. Then last week we celebrated his baptism, and he was revealed as the Son of God because we heard the Father's voice. We even saw the Spirit descend upon him in the form of a dove. So it, it, was, an, it was a theophany. A complete revelation of God, the Trinity. Even though the people there at the time wouldn't have necessarily known that. But, but we know that now. That's what was happening. And then today, Jesus performs his first miracle. Changing water into wine at this wedding in Cana, in Galilee. So he is revealing his divine power. He's revealing, in a sense... His ministry as Savior, as the Christ, the Anointed One. Because as yet he hadn't performed a public miracle. And that's why he gave pause to Mary when she approached him and said, They have no wine. He calls her woman. And I know that can be very puzzling when we hear that. Why is he calling his mom Woman. What's well, because he's highlighting the fact that if he performs this miracle, 
the dynamic of their relationship is going to change. Because he's the new Adam, and Mary is the new Eve. And if we go back for just a second to the book of, of, of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, after Adam and Eve, our first parents, sinned, God the Father steps in immediately with a plan for redemption, a plan for salvation. It's called the Proto-Evangelium, Genesis 3.15. The proto, like prototype, so first, Evangelium, good news. So it's the first annunciation, if you will, of God's good news for salvation, Genesis 3.15, where he says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's not talking about Eve because Eve just danced with the devil. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Mary, the mother of the Christ, the eventual mother of Jesus, the Christ. So Jesus and Mary are the new Adam and the new Eve in the order of grace. And so Jesus just wanted Mary to know what this miracle would mean. As I said, the dynamic of their relationship would change. Mary would not have easy access to Jesus anymore. So it was going to be a sacrifice. It was going to be hard. So Mary, in a sense, had to give another, yes, her fiat, as we say, because in Latin, fiat means let it be done. It's what she said at the Annunciation when the Archangel Gabriel came to her and asked her if she would be the mother of God. And she said, let it be done to me according to your word. She had to give her consent. And in a sense, she's giving her consent again to be the new Eve, not just the mother of God, but to be the new Eve. So in that sense, she becomes the mother of all of us in the order of grace. When did Jesus refer to Mary as woman a second time? At the foot of the cross, right? And Jesus looked down at her and said, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to John, Behold your mother. So that exchange really was meant for all of us. John was standing in our place. And in that moment, Jesus established Mary in a definitive way as the new Eve and mother of the church. Mother of the church. So I don't believe that she had birth pangs at Bethlehem because birth pangs were, in a sense, a punishment for original sin. She didn't have original sin. But now at the foot of the cross, giving birth to the church, giving birth to all of us in the order of grace, did she experience pain? Better believe it. We refer to her as the mother of sorrows. And as Simeon had prophesied at the temple, at the presentation of the child Jesus, a sword will pierce your heart. Definitely. Uh, a sword of sorrow. P 
pierced Mary's heart at the foot of the cross. So she is the new Eve. Jesus is the new Adam. But there's another significant thing to point out here. His first miracle takes place at a wedding. And that is not a coincidence. Because John the Baptist, his cousin, referred to Jesus as the bridegroom. Well, if Jesus is the bridegroom, then who is his bride? We are. The church. The church is the bride of Christ. And our first reading today, from the book of the prophet Isaiah, if I can open to it, there it is, chapter 62. No more shall people call you forsaken or your land desolate, but you shall be called my delight. So the Lord delights in us. That echoes what the Father said last week at the baptism. The Father said, you are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. I delight in you. Your land espoused. So the Lord wants to marry us. That's what it means to be espoused. God is espousing himself to us, his people. For the Lord delights in you and makes your land his spouse. As a young man marries a virgin, your builder shall marry you. And as a bridegroom, the divine bridegroom, rejoices in his bride, so shall your God rejoice in you, his bride. I know it's tough for guys to get excited about that. Women get all excited. I'm the bride of Jesus. Woohoo! Guys are like, yeah, yay, okay. It's an analogy, right? So on some level it breaks down. What it speaks to is God's desire to be a great friend of ours, to be a great father and friend and brother, and yes, even a bridegroom, so to speak. It speaks to his passionate love for us. The fathers of the church, the great theologians and mystics, refer to the cross as his wedding bed. And there's all kinds of marriage language woven into the passion narrative from the Last Supper to his crucifixion. All kinds of marriage lingo woven in there. And so it's true. God wants to marry us. And then we can't ignore the second reading today because it speaks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So you talk about the gifts that God gives us. The fact that he was able to turn water into wine certainly reminds us of what happens at Mass. Where the marriage covenant where the marriage of the lamb, the wedding feast of the lamb is celebrated, where the wine becomes his blood, his precious blood. And so that wedding is consummated here. Each and every time we receive him in Holy Communion. That's why in, in, 
Christopher West likes to say that every Mass has a conjugal component to it. Don't want to take the analogy too far, but you get the idea. God wants to be that close to us. And he has gifts to give us. And the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, comes with his power and his gifts to make us sons and daughters of God, but to also give us a share in the power of Jesus. And so we all have different gifts. And certainly some gifts are perhaps more visible, more impressive to the naked eye. But in a spirit of faith, every gift is important. All of your gifts are important. You all have a part to play. You all have a role to play in the church, the body of Christ. And when all of us contribute our gifts, the whole body is enriched. The whole family of God is enriched. So from that standpoint, there doesn't have to be jealousy or competition. But rather, we should just encourage one another to exercise our gifts, whatever they may be. Preaching, hospitality, administration, intercessory prayer, discernment of spirits, prophecy, mighty deeds, healing. And we can always ask for more. Lord, give me more gifts. Give me more faith, more hope, more love. Paul says that love is the greatest gift. Amen? So we can always ask for more love, more of God's love to fill us up so that we have more to share. That we would have a greater experience of God's love for us, his tenderness, his mercy, his goodness and kindness, so that we can in turn treat others that way and lead them to Christ with a smile sometimes. A simple smile can help lead somebody back to Christ. I think Mother Teresa did that all the time. By her smile, which was packed with a lot of grace. So let's pray today that we can all grow in our gifts, whatever they may be. Let's ask the Lord for more today as we receive him, especially more of his love. Let's ask for divine friendship, divine intimacy with God, as we have heard he wants to have. And then from that friendship flows the good works, the acts of love towards our neighbor, towards the stranger that we encounter at the store or at school, at work, wherever it may be. Let's not be afraid to share this good news that we have received, this life that we have received, this spirit that we have received. God likes to come out of the box and into your heart. That's what happens at Holy Communion. He comes down from heaven into your heart so that you can then take him out into the world and establish his kingdom wherever you may be. Amen? So let us ask Mother Mary, the new Eve, to help all of us
to become all that God created us to be so that we can do his works and give glory to our Heavenly Father. Amen.